So we've been given a new mandate. The president wants Babylon 5 shut down. Permanent. Welcome home, Mr. Garibaldi. <laughs> Thank you, Jagar. If you confront the universe with good intentions in your heart, it will reflect that and reward your intent. Yeah, usually. It just doesn't always do it in the way you expect. It's ironic, I suppose. Save the Earth Force Patrol and continue the blockade of Babylon 5. Let them be destroyed, and you'll be framed for murder and lose sympathy back home. For you, it's a lose-lose proposition, Captain. But as you said, it's an imperfect world. Kor is mother. Kor is father. In that case, Mr. Bester, I'm an orphan. I have seen what power does, and I have seen what power costs. The one is never equal to the other. The Shadow War may be over, but the battle for Earth... It's a trap! Break off! ...has just begun. They want to get even. They've already launched phase one on an all-new Battle of Five. You have transmissions holding. Patch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. Podcast land. Welcome to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast, a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. We're a group of newbies watching Babylon 5 for the very first time, as well as a group of first ones who have watched Babylon 5 for far too many times. And we are up to episode 7 of season 4, Epiphanies. I'm Scott, and with me is Justin, Mike, Emily, Kevin, and Nicole. Blake and Jesse are out this week, but they'll be returning shortly. And we are going to dive into the episode. But before we do, just a reminder to click all the like, subscribe, follow buttons. We had uh, a really good week last week, and we really appreciate all of the new subscriptions. Thank you so much. But still only about half of you are subscribed to either the audio podcast or the video podcast on youtube so be sure to do that for us it really does help us grow along with that if you can leave us a review on either spotify audible or apple apple being the biggest one that would be great as well too because we haven't had many reviews lately so take a moment go over there and give us a review we really do appreciate it all of that does help the good old algorithm catch us, which is really helpful and appreciated. Along with that, you can join us on social media. Our links to F Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are down below. And we have our Discord if you join our Patreon, and that is listed down below as well, too. Any donation to our Patreon will get you access to that Discord, which has been kind of blowing up the past few days. Our spoiler section has been going nuts. So join us over there if you can. Let's go ahead, guys, and dive in to Epiphanies, and I believe Kevin has a synopsis for us. Bester arrives with news of an Earth Alliance plan to further isolate Babylon 5. Garibaldi delivers some surprising news to Sheridan and the command crew. 
So let's go to our newbies first and get their first impressions. And if you have just joined us for the first time, how we're going to do this is we do get our first impressions from the newbies who just watched this episode for the first time and have not watched anything after that. We'll get their discussion, then we'll hear from the first ones. We'll dive into the episode proper, and then we'll end the prop the main episode with the questions and predictions from the newbies, and then kick them out the airlock, and we'll answer any kind of spoilers in our spoiler section, which is beyond the rim. So let's go to Justin first, who is wearing a lovely tinfoil hat under a hoodie. Justin, tell us about Epiphanies. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Clark is taking an obvious play right out of the Dictator playbook, man. Um, just, but just like the Indianapolis Colts this weekend, he completely muffed the punt, but, um, I'm, I'm glad to see us kind of get back to an earth focus. I've kind of missed that for a while. Understandably, we had to deal with the whole shadow war stuff, but I'm kind of glad to be going back towards kind of the psychore earth, earth dome type stuff, but the shadow war isn't really over, is it? Now that we're seeing kind of the dark servants are going to be out maybe starting some shit and are those the 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 last scene is are those the brain slugs from futurama it's <laughs> and, but i feel like i've seen them before but i don't remember where you've seen them on babylon 5 before yeah. yes war without end part one and two. Oh yeah it's called a right. it's called a keeper because remember londo yeah. says we all have our keepers yeah okay and then how many times are we gonna talk about how good Jakar and Londo are apparently a lot even though like Jakar Jakar had such a good lines in that scene where they're standing there in the marketplace together and then Londo even said a lot without even saying a word he spoke with his facial expressions and that was an uh, definitely a great scene Bester's definitely heading down the paranoid path I think regarding his love sickle and that makes him that makes him a lot more dangerous in my opinion like I think you know, there's 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 something a lot more dangerous than a powerful person, and that's a batshit crazy powerful person. So that's my fear of where Bester's going. But this was a really good Zach episode. I really enjoyed kind of seeing him have a lot more to do this time. So um that's all I've got for now. Um I I enjoyed watching it. It was it was a pretty clean cut episode. There wasn't a whole lot of deep stuff going on. Um, but it was, those were just my first thoughts. Yeah, Justin, to your point, this uh, JMS said that this episode is the gears starting to grind as we move from war to post-war. So it's kind of a transitional episode. Yeah. Nic Nicole, first impressions. Yeah, this was a pretty good episode. I mean, there was significant amount of stuff that happened, but it was pretty cut and dry. To echo what Justin said, this was a big Zach episode, I thought. I really liked Sassy Zach at the very beginning when people just kept coming through. I was cracking up, like, his reactions and his comments, and he was a sassafras. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, he also looked very nice with his clean haircut and his clean-shaven face. Um, he looked really healthy and happy, and it was just really nice to see a Zach centric episode. I thought he had a lot of big parts in this, even in his interactions with Garibaldi in um, his quarters when he went to see him at the end. That was a great scene. I really enjoyed the Zachness. And even with Lita, too, he was like, Yeah, nobody trusts you, but I'll bring you pizza. And I was like, mm, Are they going to start smashing now? So I'm not sure if I'm on the Zach and Lita train just yet, but I was like, Oh, what's happening here? <laughs> I am 
really upset about the Garibaldi stuff because as you guys know, I love Garibaldi. Um, so that was kind of crazy. The very beginning, the party scene with uh, Franklin dancing his ass off with that lady, I was cracking up. I'm like, this guy is having the time of his life while Sheridan's up in his thing lamenting about life, you know? Um, it was just kind of funny because like he's up there like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then these guys are just partying their asses off. So there was a lot of uh, really great lines that I wrote down and highlighted like quotes from this episode. Sheridan says, give me today and I'll be happy. And when Jakar's whole thing about I've seen what power does and what it costs, one is not equal to the other. I highlighted those and wrote those down because I'm like, those are like lasting quotes that I'll remember after this is over you know um but yeah and obviously you know the whole Bester coming in uh I definitely saw some shit going down with Bester and Lita like their facial expressions their I I was like at first I was like oh he's talking shit about how she's not strong and then literally at the table she's like blocking his ass from everything like I was I at least that's what I think happened I don't know um, so the whole Bester Lita dynamic, that was pretty crazy too. I have a lot to say about that. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, um, Zaha Doom go boom. Other than that, <laughs> uh, yeah, great episode. Just, I feel like even though it is very cut and dry, I feel like a lot happened. It was a like a transitional episode, like you said. Who wouldn't want to smash Kaniki? Who? Wouldn't? I mean, he looked great in this episode. Mike's raising his hand. I would not like to smash Kaniki. I don't, don't want to smash Kaniki. <laughs> Emily, first impressions. It was okay. <laughs> I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. You can send your hate mail to Emily at Gray Seventeen Podcast. I'm glad um, she goes it, first. It was nice to see Buster back since he does bring a lot, and I was able to chat a little bit with Walter Koenig at GalaxyCon in Columbus. And don't worry, he didn't spoil anything. But he absolutely is correct that when his character shows up, it he's important to the storyline. So I'm really interested to see what Bester has on Lita like what does she have in her past that he can use against her and what is his devious plan for B5 because that was that was concerning like dude dude's mind might be slipping a little bit there and I'm worried about Garibaldi because obviously there's something not right with him either so it seems like there's gonna be some We'll just call them mental issues with a few of the characters going forward, is my guess. And now we'll go over to our first ones who have watched the whole show. Mike, first impressions. I liked it. I was, uh, I think we've kind of talked about the fact that I was really invested more so in the larger scope shadow war. Um, what do I call What was my old catch line? Like the big space mystery type stuff. And so seeing where the show, you know, goes now that the shadow war is <laughs> kind of surprisingly and abruptly ended mid-season four um i didn't really know how i would feel about this episode um i was curious to see kind of because i remembered that they dip into uh you know post-war and that's something that a lot of shows tend not to do um but i was actually really pleasantly surprised by the pace of this episode and the sheer number of kind of new threads that are being pulled on to kind of set up where things may potentially go next um so yeah overall i mean i beside the the always welcome appearance of the bastard mr bester uh the rest of it was just really kind of interesting and and it kept a good clip uh really held my attention so got me got me uh optimistic about how i'll feel going back through the rest of season four and five again and kevin i guess i'm a little bit the opposite of mike i i wasn't super invested in the shadow war stuff and have other interests and uh 
so I'm I'm interested to see where the rest of the the season goes and watching it with all of you. Pretty upset with one of the uh, one of the character main characters. So I want to get into that pretty soon here because uh, one of them disappointed me a lot. So uh, it's always good to see Walter Koenig playing playing Bester, and uh, I like that things are getting turned upside down just a little bit. Uh, the dynamic is shifting. So let's talk about it. It was Franklin's dancing that disappointed you, right? <laughs> well, I guess if you live for another, you know, 200 and some odd years, you'll have, you'll see big band coming back. Which by the way, that big band uh, orchestra piece was written by the show's composer, Christopher Franke. And because Christopher Franke does everything on the show. Sorry, the year is 21. It was JMS that wrote it. <laughs> he does lyrics, which we already know are always fun when he does lyrics. Sorry, the yeah. year is what, 2162, so 140 years. Anyway, yeah. I, I but, can do math, I promise. Yay. <laughs> I don't want, I don't work at a financial institution at all, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, as usual, you guys have hit on most of what I want to talk about. I think this is a pretty cut and dry episode, and that's not a bad thing. I think it is absolutely a transitional episode. As we already kind of discussed last week, we're starting to hear more about Earth again. We're starting to hear what's going on there. Justin, you hit on the whole fact that Clark is absolutely doing the dictator stuff. And I think it's really fascinating to watch JMS kind of weave this tale. Uh, and actually, he's doing he he knows this. Well, and we've 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 talked about this quite a bit. And I really do recommend if you haven't already read his autobiography, but he has a close personal tie to fascism. Uh, it, it, it ran deep in his family. And so I think he's the right guy to make these correlations and these connections. And so I'm looking forward to as we dive a little deeper into that. But let's go ahead and talk about the episode proper. And as per usual, Nicole has her hand up first. So Nicole, what would you like to talk about? I'm a good student. <laughs> so I say we start with Garibaldi because I feel like that's a big piece, but there's bigger things that happen in this one. So um, I just kind of wanted to say my piece on what I thought about the whole Garibaldi thing, um, which again, like I said, I'm upset about it because I love Garibaldi and um, I don't want to see him leave or anything bad happen. Happen. But it is fucking crazy with this weird encoded message that he gets from no source. And all it is is like a scrambled screen. And then all of a sudden, his whole I mean, was it just me or did his whole demeanor and like everything changed? And then he's like, delete message, you know, no incoming, like all that stuff or whatever. And then he just up and quits and he just, you know, doesn't have a fight doesn't have a dog in the fight anymore and i feel like there was something in his brain that was either implanted or maybe he was hypnotized or something that message came in and it activated it and now i think he was like kind of like a sleeper agent kind of thing sorry if i'm stealing your thunder justin i feel very foil hat right now but i'm actually proud of myself that i've deduced this because i'm not that smart or bright when it comes to these kind of things on tv or television shows but I was just like, what the fuck is happening here? I don't think this is Garibaldi acting under his own free will. I think there's something that was triggered. He had some sort of mind control. And I'm just really anxious to see what's going to happen next. Because I don't think it's going to be good. And I think there's going to be problems. And I don't know what they're going to be. But I just hope my homie G is going to be all right. Because shit went down in his head. And I don't think it's going to be good. Justin. Yeah, Nicole, I'm proud of you, too. I know how much you love Michael J. Garibaldi. Simply put, brother got activated. That's it. 
I mean, I know we've talked about for a little while. I know you were hesitant to kind of jump on the sleeper agent bandwagon at first, Nicole, but that's definitely where he is right now. And he would not, this is definitely something he is too loyal of a person to his crewmates, to everyone on that station, to where he would not do something uh, of this magnitude of his own free will, I don't believe. So I think this is all part of the plan. This is all part of the programming. And I think it's part of the greater conspiracy that from the Clark regime to weaken Babylon 5, well, if you're if if you're in a position like Clark is and you want to completely discredit, destroy and take out Babylon 5, how do you do that? You weaken it from within, you know, black ops. So what does he do? He takes out the the number one person on the station in charge of security. Okay, so then if you want to come in and if you want to start some shit, if you want to start sabotage or terrorism or whatever, then you're putting Babylon 5 in a worse position than it was before now that you've com- completely taken Garibaldi out of the picture. So I think it's all part of the greater Clark Psycor plan of completely weakening. They don't care about Garibaldi himself. He's just a piece. He's just a pawn in their overall chess game. So I'm curious... Now that we kind of, it's been made fairly clear that there is absolutely something up with Garibaldi and he's being controlled by somebody. Justin, you just said you think it's the Clark regime. Emily and Nicole, who do you think it is that's controlling Mr. Garibaldi? That's actually what I was going to say why I put my hand up, because I first I thought it was the shadows. But now I'm kind of with Justin on that, where I think it's the Clark people. I think it was Earth who had the shadows take him and then brainwashed him, because the shadows had an alliance with earth. I'm totally on, on board with tinfoil hat theory. I'm on it. I'm with you in this. Emily, how about you? Who's controlling Mr. Garibaldi? I'm not sure at this point. I was really hoping you'd say like Sheridan or something weird like that. It's Delenn. No, because the message was really bizarre since it was just like waves on a screen kind of thing. And just because the shadows technically might still be gone, there are other intermediaries. So it could have been from somebody else that we haven't met yet. It could have been something that was already scheduled and came through somehow. But what I was thinking is when he said, I'm done being security, I'm going to go find things like people. They lost stuff. They lost people. I'm like, "Mm, what are you actually going to find? Are you leaving because something got left behind that you now have to go find? And that's what the message was about. It sounded like he wanted to become a finder of sorts. And I. it just made me wonder, what is he actually looking for? Because I don't think it's about reuniting people. I think there's something specific he has to go find. Are you and trying it, to say you don't trust somebody and what they're saying? Really? Shocker. I know. It's the first time it's ever happened in this podcast. <laughs> so that was my first thought. And I'm like, maybe he's just going to go find himself and try to figure out what happened to him. Mm. Because he's walkabout? like, some yeah, of the flashbacks are happening and he seems upset that he still can't remember. So maybe he's just going to go try to figure shit out. You, you know what I find interesting about how this episode is played with Garibaldi? And Nicole, you kind of alluded to it when he gets the message, he absolutely changes. But what I find fun And this is really to Jerry Doyle's credit, because I think he acts this really well. He's robotic before he gets the message. He's sitting there in front of the steam on the window, and he's doing the little frowny face or whatever you want to call it. But then he gets the message, and then he's, aside from quitting, he's normal Garibaldi. He's like, hey, guys, I just want to, you know, do something. I want to be able to go out there and make a difference. And 
uh, we we fought the good fight and all that. He's much more even keeled, normal Garibaldi after he gets the message. So I, I do love that little juxtaposition because usually the trope is if you got a sleeper agent, they just click and then they start doing Terminator and walking around and doing stuff. It's the exact opposite, and I really like that. Yeah, I, I think well, you... I think that's really interesting because it kind of it kind of implies that as a sleeper agent he on some level knows that maybe something is wrong with it so interesting point about all that so the director told him to do a smiley face and jerry doyle was like no i'm gonna go a different way and they actually and they used what jerry doyle did with the character instead of what the director told him to do for that scene that's i didn't know that that's great you know and uh, i've been i've been kind of upfront about this uh how i feel about the Garibaldi storyline will pan out and I may change much like Mike is, you know, feeling a little bit more comfortable potentially about the Civil War. I have my opinions on the Garibaldi storyline, but so I'm interested to see how I feel about it as we watch uh, the next couple episodes and see how that goes because I've had an opinion for literally 30 years and I'm already kind of feeling that this is Regardless if you appreciate it or not, the storyline, Jerry Doyle gets a lot to chew on here, more so than I think he has in probably since season one. So, Ooh, so you have a long-held opinion I might get to destroy? It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I've already made it clear. I, don't, I, I was not a fan of season one until this rewatch. So we'll see. Justin? I mean, and I guess the only thing I was going to touch on is we throw around the term sleeper agent, and I'm... I I I guess to try and um, differentiate between the you know what you said, Scott, between the um, the Terminator activate, go and destroy a bunch of shit type um, sleeper. To me, I think he's more of the Manchurian candidate. He doesn't even know he's what's going on. He's just, or maybe he may think something's wrong, but his own mind, he's just acting normally. Whereas, but then by acting normally, he's working for the people that are controlling him. So to me, that's kind of what I feel like Doyle is more, or Garibaldi is more of in this, in this timeline. Yeah. Regardless, it absolutely is a little commentary on mental health, isn't it? To Mike's point, even if he's, you know, quote unquote, brainwashed or whatever that little scene with him in the mirror it says that somewhere deep inside he knows something's up or uh brainwashed garibaldi knows that maybe there's something in the back of his mind that is old garibaldi trying to get through either way there's a there's a dichotomy there that he's playing that i really yeah kevin i thought the scene with him and jakar was really cute um, you know, it started off and you, you think Jakar's upset and he sure he certainly milks it a little bit there, but then you know, picks it up and has a really cute moment with uh with Garibaldi and has a very post enlightenment Jakar moment where he is looking at it in the best possible light, which of course makes a lot of sense when he lays it out, but you know, Garibaldi's more like you risked your life. You lost your eye. You went through hell. It was awful for you. I feel sorry for you. Please don't blame me. And the it couldn't have been further from the truth that that Jakar was not only not blaming him, but almost giddy about how it had all played out because he's as he said, it put him in a position to save his people. It was a really cool moment. And it, it 
I know we praise Andreas and Peter a lot on this show, but I think only Andreas could have played that where he was looking angry as hell. And then he's like, Mr. Garibaldi. It's, it's, it's just, it's perfect. It's perfect. Justin. Well, and just to kind of piggyback off what Kevin said, it's, it was just a really cool moment to see kind of the two characters who, you know, yes, they're both relieved and happy to see each other, but just the guilt that Garibaldi feels versus the joy that Jakar feels. And even Jakar said it was 100, everything he went through, all the torture, all the strife, you know, losing his eye, being captured by the Centauri, like it was all worth it because he finally got what he wanted at the end. And it was like, and, and, and he almost, without saying it directly, he almost credits Garibaldi with helping that all, like, almost like, I couldn't have done this without you. If you wouldn't have disappeared, I wouldn't have gone out looking for you, and my people wouldn't be free right now. So it's it, it, it was just a very interesting kind of yin and yang with that whole situation. Nicole? Yeah, not to be too repetitive, but I, I also love this scene when Garibaldi uh, at first was like, oh, shit, and then he just, uh, Jakar picks him up and hugs him and spins him around, and it was just precious. It was so cute. And then just the dynamic between them, because, you know, Garibaldi's kind of a pessimist, a realist, and Jakar's a little bit more insightful and thoughtful. When he said, you know, you have a really weird way of looking at things, Jakar. You know what I mean? But, like, it was just kind of like, it was so, it was it was almost like the dynamic was just, they're so different, but they had a common thread, and it was that they gave a shit about each other. You know what I mean? So it was really sweet uh, to see, you know, this moment between them because they are so vastly different, you know, um, Jakar being so insightful and thoughtful and Garibaldi being a little bit more realistic and pessimistic in a way. And then they just had this kind of almost like a meet cute. Like, it was just, I just love that episode. And again, you know, Andreas just knocking it out of the park and once again, just making us feel in our little dark black hearts, making us feel emotion. I think we can... If we can go ahead and maybe move over to the other ancillary part of the Garibaldi story, which is also Zach's ascension to chief of security and his interactions on the station. Uh, Justin. I, I just have one question about that before I kind of delve into what I was going to say about Zach. Are the Elvi a race? The Elvises that came on at the end of the, the Elvi. Elvises. I was like, oh, what the they, fuck are you talking yeah, about? I, too. I mean, I mean, Elvis is plural of Elvis. Yeah. So are are the Elvi like a race or so, are those just a bunch of Elvis impersonators that well, just happen upon the station at the same time? What's the because line is, from is that? What's the line the from El Agent? Okay, sorry, Justin, go ahead. Men in Black. Was that Men in Black? Elvis didn't die. He just went home. He just went home. That's what I was going to say. What's the line from Agent K? He just went home. So the, the first Elvis was the show's art director. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I just saw that like at the end. I'm like, Zach, and, and that was, I guess, perfectly timed by JMS because as soon as like Zach is like, I'm done with this. I don't want to see any more crazy shit today. And he walks away. Here come a bunch of Elvises coming yeah. through the line. And I was like, well, maybe they are a race after all. Maybe that is where Elvis is from. Maybe Men in Black was right yeah. the whole time. There's like, like two, <laughs> there's two things there too. Not only do you like, I don't want any more crazy shit. And then Elvis shows up three times. But he says the second coming, and then three kings walk through the door. Oh, <laughs> it's very Christmassy, Nicole. Yeah, I, 
think at the in the intro I said that I loved how like he was just kind of sassy and kind of like holding his own and he just I, I just really thought it was such a strong episode for him and you know between the opening scene with him his scenes with Lita his scene talking to Sheridan his scene with Garibaldi like there was so much for him to chew on in this episode and I just feel like he really did a great job and like I, I think that um as Garibaldi said he's the best second he's ever had and I think he's gonna be a great chief you know um and I I think that as much as I think that it is crazy that Garibaldi is leaving, at least they're not left totally unprotected because I feel like Zach would be a good, I mean, he's not Garibaldi, but I think he'll be good in his own right and doing his own thing. So they're still not totally fucked. If they have some security. I think if they're going to put anyone in that role, Zach is the right guy to do. Justin? I mean, I think this is the, nat- the the natural progression for Zach because he was the second in command. So, like, if Garibaldi steps down, then, of course, Zach is kind of like the next man up mentality. But I, I'm really ecstatic to see kind of where Zach goes from here in terms of being the acting chief of security. And if it is a permanent thing or if it's only a temporary thing, who knows? Only time will tell. But I, I can't wait because... He's Zach has become a character from his first introduction. I think what back in season two or was it like early season three? I don't remember off the top of my head, but like from his from his very uh, early introduction to now, you just see the growth of you know Conway and how he's you know grown the character and how he's become more involved and become more of a permanent you know piece of the command staff and stuff like that. I personally. I'm ecstatic to see kind of, especially knowing what happens to him later in life. It's really good to see kind of some joy in him and see him at his best is what he is right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's why the scene between him and Garibaldi is very hard to watch. Uh, it's very meta. Again, you've yeah. got two people who will die from substance abuse talking to each other about their lives and careers. And it's it's very meta because Jeff Conway was huge with Greece and he was on taxi and he had to quit taxi because of his drug use. And then from the 80s and early 90s, he was in a lot of bit parts and stuff. Murder, but she wrote. Yeah, he, he wasn't able to get like a leading role, even though he was a leading man uh, for the first part of his career because no one trusted him. And this actually was a, a point in uh, Claudia Christian's autobiography. She talks about it, uh, that it was a roll of the dice. It was a risk to bring him on Babylon 5. And that's why he wasn't in season two. He wasn't a main cast member. He was given a bone. And that's Garibaldi says the exact same thing. No one trusted you, Zach. You had some stuff in your bat, your, your, your past, and but we gave you a chance and you've lived up to it. And it's just, that's Jeff Conway. On Babylon 5, unfortunately, as uh, Justin, you alluded to, he does turn back to the the substance and we, we lose him uh, later in life. But this is his this is his his peak. This is where he gets to be himself and gets to have a career again. And that's it's kind of rough to watch, but it's good too, Kevin. Yeah. So those two actors, they're doing this scene and Jerry Doyle's doing it where he's trying to stay busy and he's pretending to look for the the classified information, the shutdown stuff, whatever. Conway's 
continuing to talk more a little bit more during that that scene but what's interesting about it is kind of as kind of a little tear in his eye near the end of the scene and i'm wondering if he was kind of seeing himself in in what he's talking about but what's interesting is jerry doyle is seeing himself in that scene for a very different reason he had been on wall street for almost a decade and decided to give up his job on wall street to go become an actor and everyone said you're making a mistake you're crazy what are you what are you doing um and he's like i gotta take a chance so in in a way both conway and jerry doyle's uh past lives are being kind of written into the show in a admittedly different way but in a very personal way and jms of course is known for that we've talked about that several times on the show all right let's uh talk about the other guy who appears on Babylon 5 just before the LVI, Mr. Bester's back. Nicole. Bester, this guy, whenever he comes on, you know shit's about to go down. And I really thought um, the meeting that they had set up in the room when uh, he basically tells Sheridan that he's embarrassing himself by having Lita in there and we should be able to trust each other. And Sheridan's like, no, we don't trust you. Sit down. You know, uh, that was very tense and very awkward. I felt like there was a lot of like, I was like, Ooh, I'd hate to be in this room right now. Like I just didn't like the feeling. And my question to, I guess is um that moment where he, it was kind of like he was looking at people and like hearing what they were saying and it was kind of like discolored or whatever. Was he trying to read them, but Lita was blocking him? Okay, so I was not crazy. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. So he, even though he promised he wouldn't try to scan them, he did anyway, and she blocked him. So one, you can't trust him, which obviously Sheridan was right on that. But also like just throughout the whole episode, like the way he looked at her and was like watching her and observing things. And it, it was just, he was extra creepy in this one. I, and then at the end, when he basically blackmails her, trying to get her to come back to Psychor and stuff, I was like, okay, you shady bastard. And then when he's talking to the popsicle lady, his lover, and he's saying, what I can do will hurt them more than anything. And they're laughing at me. Like he is really going off the deep end. Like what is going on in his crazy little mind? I mean, one, I'm surprised he came and and told them the information to help them. But also, I don't think he was trying to help. Like, there's an ulterior motive there. I just don't know where it is. So I just, this whole, like, this whole dynamic in this whole episode, he was just really overly creepy to me. And I just, I every time he was on screen, I just had, like, a unsettled, icky feeling. Well, and there's absolutely an ulterior motive because that was his squadron that he got killed. That was his Black Omega. So he knew exactly what he was doing there. He's playing yeah. both sides. That's right. why this is like the third time you, you, the newbies have said that he's maybe off his rocker or maybe going a little out of the deep end. I don't see it. Bester has been Bester since season one. This is Bester. I don't see any difference. Just a shady bastard? That's, That's just a, Bester? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a manipulative out piece of shit. Yeah. And, well, no, he's not, though. He's not. On Ship of Tears, he told you what he's out for, and he actually said it here, too. Yeah. He told Lita, you owe it to the core to come back. He told Talia the same thing, and he said on Ship of Tears, his telepaths. He wants to protect his telepaths. This is all about, yeah, he's got an ego. Don't get me wrong. It's all about Bester. But he feels, he's like the Magneto, guys. He's He feels that the telepaths are their own race, and he must 
elevate them and protect them. So I don't think he's crazy. I just think he's Bester. I don't think he's changed at all. Yeah, there was like now, one glimmer where we thought maybe he wasn't so bad. <laughs> he's just completely self-interested and he's going to do. So, you know, he, he made it looks like he made them think he was going to work for Babylon five, but he was working for himself the whole time and gap mm -hmm. into a line once in a while. Great. But he doesn't care if they do. Well, what's that cliche? The best villains are the ones who are the heroes of their own story. Bester right. feels that he is the hero of the story and he's just going to keep going. Emily, what do you got? So I see what you're saying about, he might not be off his rocker, but the scene where he was talking to her when she's in the little chamber thing, he seemed a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Okay. Like that specific scene. Because no one goes to a headstone and talks to a lost one, a lost for a family member. No, that part is actually normal. <laughs> but there was something about the way he did that was more unsettling than we've seen from him before. And listening to- I, Again, I'm sorry. I, I'm just going to push a little bit. More unsettling than when he said, Talia told us a lot of stuff before she was dissected. The dude's always unsettling. I know. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. This is a different kind of unsettling. <laughs> There's varieties, okay, sir? Varieties. Um, but listening to him talk and questioning Clark about won't we be stepping on toes? And Clark was just like, eh, it might happen. And then knowing that they were being set up to like take out another division of Earth Force, basically. I'm wondering if uh, Bester's playing to take them all down. Take out the Clark regime, take out B5, just say, fuck you all, everyone goes boom and then leave the telepaths and i that don't that was kind of my read on it like he's gonna just yeah every him against the world basically I, I don't think that needs to be a prediction i don't think it's a spoiler he's made it very clear for all four seasons now he's in it for the telepaths that's what and, he wants and i know that but this and it seemed like he wanted the telepaths to like take over earth force that was my original read and like the earth government and now it seems like it's not even about that it's about more than that and they're all going down i i, I no one survives this is not a storyline this is i don't think this is anywhere it's just i can see bester being the guy who looks at the vorlons and goes yeah that's a good goal it's a good goal mm -hmm. justin um i had something completely different to say uh when i raised my hand but I actually have to say I'm honestly shook right now because your comparison of Bester to Magneto completely 100% just changed my the way I view Bester. Who's because Magneto? Because you're 100% damn right. Oh my god. Oh, you can send your emails. Hey, yeah, I know Emily should what? just be in the kitchen like every other woman, right Argentina boy? Yeah, I know. You can you don't have to say it in the comments. You don't have to say it in the comments. It's okay. We know where you are. Magneto, Emily, is, depending on when you watch, a villain or an anti-hero or a hero of X-Men. And he is the, he's the Malcolm X to Professor X's MLK. He believes that uh, mutants, in that case, are the superior race, and therefore they have a right to take over and evolve the species of humans to something else. And conflict is okay. Like, I knew he was X-Men, but I don't do... Yeah x-men stuff so i wasn't sure about his but when the new x-men animated series which is a sequel to the 90s one when it comes I out magneto is in charge of the xavier school because if yeah, you watch the I'm, original x-men animated series xavier has gone off to space 
So feel free to leave your hate reviews for that one. <laughs> Sorry, Justin, go ahead. No, 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 no worries at all, because Magneto is one of my favorite all-time mutant characters. Like, he is such a sympathetic villain. And those are always the best villains or the sympathetic ones, the ones that you can actually mildly relate to. And I didn't make that connection until you said that. And that's when my kind of head exploded a little bit and thought, holy shit, he's right. So I, all my notes about Bester in my notebook are all fucked up now. Thanks, Scott. That's what I'm here for, buddy. That's what I'm here for. God damn it. But again, I mean, yeah. if you, but to this whole point, I mean, if you're an X Men fan and you're watching Magneto, you could easily say that dude's off his rocker. But in his mind, he's got a plan, he's got a goal, and he's moving towards it. And he has a point. He does. I mean, we know, we know now that the telepaths were created by the Vorlons to be pawns in a war. So best you're wanting to protect these people who were abused for war for um, create were yeah. created for a war crime he wants to protect his people now do i agree with his motives absolutely not but again he's, he's not, not right. wrong <laughs> he's not right but he's not wrong you're not wrong walter you're just an asshole yeah <laughs> speaking of lebowski mike <laughs> i i was gonna get into the weeds for just a second just because i like to do that um so the black omega squadron are are they not also telepaths or are they just regular human fighter pilots assigned to psychor because they I, should have read that they were gonna die well my assumption going into this well, to, well so yeah so my assumption going into this is that they were uh psychor uh, that they were that they were psychor agents and so i actually found it i guess against bester's motive that he would put his own people basically in the firing line for his plot in this one i mean i guess there's always when you have a madman they're always willing to sacrifice people to get to their end goal but um yeah so that was just uh i guess a comment that i wanted to make and you know my 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 theory on that mike and again uh it's a good point i haven't read into it at all so it's just a theory i don't think Psychor or Bester works with anyone who is in telepaths that closely so i'm guessing they are my guess is much like you know, a P5, which Lita was and Talia was, is commercial. A P12 is a psychop and all that. These pilots may be, you know, P5s, P6s or something. So they're not going to pick up something in space. But that's just my guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't so much see, um, because ultimately it's it's the Babylon 5 Alliance forces and, and the other pilots that they rescued who destroy the black omegas but i guess um i didn't think their psychic powers were going to get them out of that jam i just thought it was interesting that bester basically sold them out to be slaughtered nicole so i i see what you were saying scott earlier about um bester and how he has a plan and all this but i gotta say when emily was talking about how just the way he was speaking at that end scene like the things he was saying because love makes you crazy right Love can make you do crazy ass shit. So in my mind, I was thinking, yes, he does have a plan. Yes, that is Bester. But also he was just a little extra unhinged with the things he was saying. Not that he was talking to a gravestone of a loved one. Like that's all normal. It's just the words and the things he was saying, which seemed a little bit extra unhinged. Like, oh, well, they're laughing at me. I'm going to show them. Like, who are you fucking pulling revenge on, bro? Like, sit the fuck down. Like, that was 
why I think like he's kind of going off a little bit because just the way he was speaking was like somebody who's been scorned and they're out for revenge and they're like, like kind of losing it a little bit. So I think both, I think your point was also very valid, but also I just kind of wanted to clarify that's what I was kind of referring to is like Emily hit it on the nail, the nail on the head with that. Just that last sequence, there was just something off and a little extra unhinged about it. Emily. I'm just going to mention, since Nicole agreed with me, it also might be, as women, we are trained to hear the creepy and be more sensitive to the creepy and the tone and the wording than men generally are. So whereas to you, he might sound like, oh, that's how he always sounds. And to us, we're like, oh, no, <laughs> he just took it up a notch or two. And that's that's getting more scary. <laughs> so, you know socialization as a bonus episode emily and nicole and jesse will tell us how our creep factor is individually it'll be Ooh, great that'd be fun oh, oh. No. <laughs> no, no, no. the question is though are we talking 20 year ago scott or now scott because Ooh. there are different different guys <laughs> yeah that's Kevin. different people <laughs> i'm curious I would if, if, if you if you hear me out folks if we can get 50 more subscribers on youtube between we get now to roast the guys between if we get and kevin you're just got to deal with it when we, no. if we get if we get 50 more subscribers on youtube before the end of the year i i think we can have a let's put the men on the couch i think it'll be fun nope. <laughs> kevin can sit that one out <laughs> i have i have plans that night oh i don't know Whatever we can do it live I, too so I'm, we can't edit it i'm confused <laughs> what the hell we're talking about what is happening? What have we're I gonna, volunteered to do? We're, the, the ladies of the I'm podcast are going to tell Mike how creepy he is. Oh, I can fucking tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, to me, Mike is the least creepy. because Mike I know is the, the most even keel. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well, I'm totally for you, Nicole. I've totally only known you for, you know, 23 years. But sure, you can you can say I'm... You're like the perfect gentleman of the group, Kevin. You know this. I'm still curious how no, I've changed he, in 20 he's years. He's less creepy than me. I heard you. <laughs> Kevin, you're our dad. We have to give you a hard time. Daddy. Daddy. Scott, you've changed. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's not a bad thing. You've just matured. That's all. <laughs> okay, so. He has. Anything... This is news. <laughs> Shut up, Kevin. Anything <laughs> else? <laughs> anything else on Bester? Anything else? Uh, I... Zahadoom went boom, as well, we discussed. I, I guess I, I will chime in because I will say this. The. The, the best you're talking to is what's the wife sickle? It's fucking great. Um, <laughs> uh, the best you're talking to is wife sickle. Like, like, no, the act of, of speaking to your comatose family member, lover, whatever, uh, is, is not in and of itself inherently weird. I do think I get where some people are coming from with this, though, because Bester, to me, Bester comes off as cold and calculating. And to, so seeing him in that light seeing him do something like that makes it feel probably weirder than it actually is i, I can see this mike i think if if this was a stage play that was an inner monologue that the we were supposed to hear i think is what that yeah, was totally. yeah yeah i can see that let's uh hop over real quick to our good friends on centauri prime and also babylon 5 with londo and his uh his move towards ascension himself. Nicole? 
So I thought it was funny that he um, went back to Babylon 5, but before he did, he gave that guy the regent role. What is that guy's name, by the way? I just call him Creepy Little Minion. Snivelly McSniffleson. Okay. <laughs> well, that guy, uh, how he was like basically, oh, who would want that role? Oh, me? Oh, great. Oh. You know? <laughs> he should have said, oh, moi? Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. The, the best part of that entire scene, though, and the, the actor, whomever he is, just plays it so well. I'm thinking pastels. The, yeah. The actor is Damien London. And Thank they you. Don't ever referred to him as minister. He doesn't actually have a name. Okay. Yeah. He, that guy is too much. Like I was just dying. But when Lando came back and he was kind of joking with uh, Zach and stuff, and you could tell like he was happy to be back on Babylon five and he was in his element. And then he saw Jakar and he's like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? So that was kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he thought like many of us have, Oh, I'm going to get beat to death at a flea market. <laughs> 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 yeah. But, and then the whole ending sequence with that thing, the eye on the dude's bow that I jumped, that jump scared me. Like I screeched and I jumped out of my chair. That I did not like that. And you all caught, I mean, I already brought it up, but you all caught, this is the exact same thing that was on Londo 17 years into the future. Now, 16 years into the future. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Does it just travel from body to body or what? Like that is, ugh, ugh. that sounds like a good question for beyond the rim. It does. Yeah. You're assuming I'll... there's only one. There might be one behind you right now. <laughs> if I have an eye bulging out of my chest tomorrow, I'm going to be real pissed off at you guys. <laughs> Probably someone's kink, but it's a side effect of Jardians. If you grow an eye in your chest, oh, I take consult a physician. So what happens if you swallow a watermelon seed? Oh no! <laughs> uh, wah, wah. I Justin, did that to myself by telling you guys that story. You did many things to yourself by telling us that story. <laughs> Justin, what do you got? I was kind of surprised that they gave him, and it's—I know he's not emperor, but in my notes, I have him as Emperor Fabulous. Um, <laughs> But because you remember, I mean, going back to one of the past episodes, he reminds me of that character from History of the World Part One, where he introduces the Emperor and he's like, "All oh, hail the Emperor of Rome. Um, but um, it's, yeah, it's one of the things that I kind of was following with that is there's there's main mention of what was it in War Without End about how the allies of the Shadows eventually attacked and destroyed Centauri Prime. So to me, this is kind of the precursor of maybe how that happens. But I mean, um, the, the, the foreshadowing is pretty thick, right? Last right. episode or two episodes ago, we had Mr. Morden saying, we have friends. And then the, the, the immediate cut was, where were they going? Sheridan Asset. And then the next cut is Centauri Prime. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, 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 you know, definitely they just drop that in our laps for sure. But I mean, I'm, very interesting choice for Regent, like somebody who's just like, you know, kind of the the hand waiter or whatever you yeah. want to call for the for the emperor. All of a sudden, gets elevated to Regent, but Londo needed a puppet. To see where that goes. Yeah, Londo needed a puppet. Yeah, you don't. I mean, I mean, think about. it. I mean, Londo doesn't want to be emperor, but he, you know, he assumes he will be, and. If you are on that track, do you want to put somebody in there who can be strong enough to usurp you? Or do you oh, want to put somebody who's true. a bumbling idiot? Somebody weaker than yeah. you can control. No one's going to get Even behind when... Emperor Fabulous. 
and, he's, and even he's not going yeah. to do any damage. He's mm -hmm. probably going to do what he's going to put pastels up. Maybe, maybe to the yeah. interior decorating, but yeah. <laughs> but he's also but... been there for all the action too the last many years. Yeah. So it's it's not totally out of left field, but it's definitely a safe choice for Londo. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Look, but it, look. But I'll even when it. he was leaving, he said, uh, Londo said. Oh well, you be sure if you have any questions, you let me know. Yeah, you know, Londo so like is that was totally saying, "Hey, yeah. you know what? You do what I say." Yep. Mike, you were going to say it. Say, I was going to say, I'll say it. I was happy that he appeared in this episode because I thought he was probably dead. <laughs> Londo <laughs> purged him. <laughs> no, I thought the 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 Cartagia had probably made him one of his uh, closet head cabinet, whatever. <laughs> well, this guy's got staying power. I, I'm. I'm 99% sure the first time we saw him was before Cartagia was emperor. I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's got staying power. He's, he's, you see this all the time in bureaucracy, too. There's always that one guy who ingratiates himself to everyone, and no one knows why. He doesn't do anything, but he never leaves. Yeah, he's he's, he's the, that fucking guy. He's, he's the, the Milton of office space. He's the, <laughs> yeah, he's the he was, guy. He was with the good emperor, too, wasn't he? He was, yeah. 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 Uh, like I said, he just disappeared for a couple episodes, and I kind of just assumed that when Cartesia <laughs> was at the end of his like crazy cycle, I just, just was like, eh, he's probably dead. He's, he's probably... not offensive enough to kill. Like, Yeah, that's the whole thing. He's just a peon. He's just, right. well, you're, you're thing, not I worth mean, the knife. We've, we've heard that uh, said about beer, too. Yeah. Well, that's, again, that's, I mean, we already talked about this, but that's why I love the fact that Veer was the one who did the deed, because throughout that, like, little arc of four or five episodes, it was made very clear multiple times, Veer doesn't matter. No one cares about Veer. And you know what? Veer's got the needle. One of the things I like about when, and you guys have already kind of alluded to it, when he goes back to Babylon 5, Londo, I, I think this is Londo at full redemption. For at least himself. We've talked about it for a long time, the fall of Londo, and hopefully he'll come back. He made the call that he needed to make to save his people. The crazy emperor is gone. Londo gets to have his little puppet on the throne, but also gets to go back to B5. He's happy as hell. He's running around being season one Londo, buying jewelry or buying glasses and hackling people. And yeah, he does run into Jakar, and that gets a little awkward, but Londo's happy. This is the happiest we've seen Londo since Adira. Well, the first time yeah, we saw Adira, not the true. second time. So I, I, I love how Peter can kind of play this um, this different part of Londo that we've been waiting to see for a long time. Everything's going great for Londo right now, foreshadowing. Emily. Okay, can you really be redeemed after you've committed genocide? In his, and that's why I corrected myself, in his mind, this is the perfect time for Londo. Everything's going right. He's, even in the throne room, he's happy. He's happy Londo again. He's not skulking around in his black uniform. He's, hey, enjoy yourself. Don't fuck anything up. I'm going to B5. Have a nice day. In his mind, he's fixed everything. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all mean, he cares about is Centauri Prime anyway. World. Exactly. I mean, that was, Kevin, you're 100%. I mean, that was the, f in the gathering, he said his only goal mm -hmm. was to protect and elevate Centauri Prime. He's done it. The Emperor is dead. Anyone who could stop uh, Centauri Prime from coming back is gone. The Narn are no longer in the picture. The shadows are gone. He's gotten revenge for the death of Adira. Everything he wanted, he's got right now. Not gonna last long. Foreshadowing. And 
he gets to be back on Babylon 5, which he clearly likes more than being on Centauri Prime. So he's found someone to do the heavy lifting while he gets to go back to Babylon 5. And this episode has one of my favorite Peter lines of the entire show. Some, the Emperor said, I could only leave Centauri Prime over his dead body. And Mr. Allen said, I could only come back to B5 over his dead body. Mr. Allen, you're just going to have to wait your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Lando is the man in the middle. <laughs> oh, <fuck laughs> <you>. <laughs> On that note, let's go ahead. Unless, does anyone have anything else they want to add about the episode we haven't talked about? Yes. Yeah, Kevin, you 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 buried the lead at the very beginning. We haven't talked beginning. about Lita yet. Go for it. Go Lita for it. Shmita. No one cares about Lita. That's the problem. So that's that's part of the problem. Like she's completely been relegated to uh, you know third class citizen. You know she gets forgotten about. She no one you know no one comes and talk i mean she she said it really clearly and then you get to the last scene with her and sheridan and sheridan turns into an absolute jackass right in front of everybody and does the worst thing he's done up until this point in the series and says you usurped my authority don't ever do it again or i'll feed you to the psychor where they will probably dissect you just like they did uh talia how fucking bullshit is that especially after you know all that she's had to sacrifice and she was the one that led kosh 2.0 to the slaughter for sheridan on his order she made a, a decision that she didn't even have to tell him she had done she pretty much offered that information in a roundabout sort of way to be like well you know how how bad is this if i if i did theoretically do this and he's like yeah i might i might actually sympathize except i don't so don't do it again or you're gonna be fucking murdered it it wasn't even just lita uh best uh sheridan was pretty uh, hard on Bester as well, too. And that actually got brought up in the Usenet. Somebody asked or pointed out, Sheridan was very sharp with Bester in this episode. And JMS said, yeah, Sheridan's taking a little different tone with a lot of people these days. I guess being dead for a while does that to you. Well, I could care less what kind of tone he takes with Bester, but <laughs> he, he he did her dirty. It was yeah. it was bad. Well, and that's Lita's point. Character. Lita is just being used. That's her yeah. point. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I've already been beat up in the, the comment section a couple times now. Um, in this rewatch, I, I mean, before, I mean, when I watched the show, I was always Sheridan. Yeah, Sheridan raw. In this rewatch, I haven't been overly impressed, impressed with the good do- captain. I don't, I don't know what's going on with me. Justin, maybe Nicole, I'm maturing, maybe. Well, I mean, Kevin, I love you. You're a brother to me, but I respectfully disagree. I think that Lita you know usurped his authority lita they went on a mission lita fucked up that mission and then come to find out like she knew what she was doing the entire time and it was i don't i really don't think that sheridan's not the character that i i really do not ever see him actually turning her over to cycor but it was just a stern warning to her that don't don't overreach me like he's he's the person in charge yes she if she had doubts she should have come to him but i i really don't think he acted 
out of line. I think that Lita acted out of line by completely screwing up the mission that they were on. And then, yes, she, yes, I, I, I do think that she was justified in the way that she thought. And Fester's hurt so many people. Maybe he deserves to be hurt a little bit. I, I sympathize with her reasoning. But the fact is, is she completely screwed over the mission and sent every sent all of the the dark allies off into space to do who knows what to who and who knows what kind of harm is going to come from this now. So I I don't think Sheridan was in the wrong in this. I want to sit in on Justin's management trainings. I can tell you you're going to be dissected because you did wrong. <laughs> I mean, Nicole, oh, go ahead, Kevin. Really quick, I this is this is a momentous because I could not possibly disagree more. <laughs> and Which doesn't happen all that often. But Lita couldn't tell him because Bester could have scanned him. The mission they didn't care that much. It was dangerous. They didn't care that much about it except to do something for Bester and that kind of technology getting uh, into his hands or earth force or earth and god forbid clark would have been a terrible situation and why does it matter that she went off she kind of had to if uh she thought that everything was a bad idea and really had to do it on her own unless sheridan was going to uh send ivanova and and you know, say, say what the, what the plan was going to be, but he clearly didn't want to do that. I, I did have the same thought you had, Justin, where, you know, maybe he was just saying that for, for shock value, but she doesn't work for him. She's a freelance teep who basically gets shit on. So she doesn't have to follow his orders and he's really out of line for the whole conversation in my mind kevin it's opposite day because i'm actually agreeing with you over justin now because <laughs> um what is happening i know because i mean even <laughs> even even sheridan and ivanova say because bester said this is a lose-lose situation for you and of course he was talking about the squadrons but they turned this into a win-win they got bester's information and bester didn't get anything yep. out of it they got what they needed so and even and even bester. yeah even even sheridan said theoretically if you came to me with this idea, which you couldn't do because I would be scanned, if you came to me with this idea, I probably would have agreed with it. His issue isn't her what she did for the mission. His issue is that she pissed on him. His fucking ego is his problem. Yeah. Nicole, I'm sorry. You're like shaking your fingers left and right. Go for it. Sorry, go. I was just going to say a lot of what you were saying. So here's my thing. I could see where you're coming from, Kevin, because I do feel like Lita does get shit on quite a bit, but also like, like fuck Bester and what she did was right. I agree. Sheridan totally would have been in on it if he would have known about the plan somehow. So it's not a matter of what she did. It's how she did it. And it's not an ego thing. The thing is, yes, she doesn't work for Sheridan, but also if she's in the inner circle and she's part of this and she's on Babylon 5, he is in charge of Babylon 5. So if you want to stay on Babylon 5, you kind of got to do what the guy says. Now, do I think he would actually dissect her and turn her in? No, I don't. I think he was just trying to warn her, respect my authority, Cartman style. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think so I can see both sides. I don't think he's as wrong as you do, you know, Um, but I, I just think that like, here's the thing. If you're going to run something like this where everyone's trying to fucking kill you, somebody's got to be in charge. And if you're not going to follow who's in charge, get the fuck out. Basically, I got I okay. got one question. Is she in the inner circle? 
because it sure doesn't look like it to me. Before you answer that question, okay, kids, your meme game, you listen, you're, you're our little minions, you listened to my class week and you did well. I now want Sheridan replaced in that scene with Eric Cartman. <laughs> want Eric Cartman telling, Eva, or telling Lita where to go stick it. Respect I want that my Respect my authority. Yeah. Okay, now Nicole, go ahead. Okay, but that's what I envisioned in that speech. I envisioned like Cartman like saying respect my authority essentially. Cause here's the thing, like when something is going down, like what's going down here, they just had this big war. They just had all this shit going on. Also too, you gotta think Sheridan has been through hell and back. His fucking fuse is very, very small. So if people are gonna fuck around, they're gonna find out, you know what I mean? So. It, and and like Scott said, I don't think it's what she did because they were like, yeah, fuck him. We got what we wanted. It was more of like, you can't go above the authority and do what you want because there's other things at stake here. You know what I mean? So that's kind of, so I see both your points, but I, I'm kind of leaning more towards Justin on this. Like, I don't think, I don't think he was that out of line. Maybe his threat was a little bit extreme, but also like, I don't know, the dude just kind of went through hell. So he's probably just got no tolerance for fuckery. Justin. There is not one piece of Sheridan that is upset about what happened to Zaha Doom. I really don't believe Sheridan is sad at all that Zaha Doom exploded. I think his whole issue is... You know, his his command was usurp. And that that was my whole thing. That yes, if he would have been let in on, he would have one hundred percent agreed with the plan. But it just she went around him. And I think that's what pissed him off. And when you're somebody that's in charge of hundreds of thousands of lives, you can't abide by that. Emily. I just want to know what she should have done. Like if you think she shouldn't have done that. What was she supposed to do? Because she obviously has information that even we don't know about as viewers that she couldn't tell Sheridan because he can be scanned. He has no way to block it. She has higher abilities than Buster. So she knows what was out there and she might even know what they were trying to protect. And she might even know what Buster was really wanting to do with that technology and how he had planned to use it. So for me, yeah, maybe she shouldn't have gone over his head, but I'm not sure she had another choice because she was in a crap position, assuming, you know, depending on what she knew, because she knows a lot more than she's told Sheridan and what like we could even see as viewers seeing the different aspects and scenes. Nicole. Also, too. I think Lita's a lot stronger and a lot more dangerous than we know. And I think that she has a lot more abilities and powers, especially since she's been altered by the Vorlons, that probably mm -hmm. is even stronger than the highest level of Psychor. Mm -hmm. So there's there's other shit underlying with her that I think is going to come off and pop off at the end here. But I, I, I don't think it's a matter of what she did. Like I said, I just think it's a matter of how she did it. But also, like, there's more to her that we know and we still don't even know if it's like if she's fully trustworthy in a way you know what i mean like yes she's done everything she's been asked but with the power that she has like jakar said with power and you know it's not always equal like that can make people different so i don't know man it's i just think there's a dangerous line that she's toddling there kevin i have the perfect solution lita should have given sheridan the magneto helmet so that he couldn't be scanned. Problem solved. <laughs> Taking this one step further, do we get to see Bester get a coin shoved through his brain? 
because that is a badass scene. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to see that. You get the little tuft of hair hey, popping up. We need memes. Hey, yes. Replace Kevin Bacon with Walter Koenig in everything. I want Walter Koenig in Footloose as well, too, please. That'd be good. That would be good. <laughs> I want a 90-something-year-old Walter Koenig in Footloose. I think it would be a better movie. Let's do Some, it now. Someday with the power of AI. Oh God! <laughs> no, please, <laughs> just a meme. Thank Are you me. kidding? Have you seen all the like? What if Harry Potter was filmed in Italy or something? Like they're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and wrap this sucker up with our newbies' questions and predictions. And again, for those who are joining us for the first time, I'm sorry, but our newbies have not watched past Epiphanies, so we're going to ask them if they have any lingering questions about what they saw, and then also if they have any predictions of what's going to happen next. Let's go over to Nicole first. Questions and predictions. All right. At the very beginning, when Franklin was cutting a rug with that chick, was that the chick who stole his card from down below or just a different chick? Definitely a different chick. I don't know. I, I couldn't really see. So, um, okay. So different chick. Um, okay. So that answers that question. Um, so does Bester know how much stronger Lita is than him? Uh, is he aware of her abilities? Was he able to get a vibe or a read on that? And what's he going to do with that knowledge? Because he clearly is trying to blackmail her, but is this going to continue and become a thing um, where he's going to try to steal her back? It kind of reminds me of Twilight when they wanted to take the one vampire Jesus. and they want to destroy the whole coven. So <laughs> You yeah. heard it first, folks. Babylon 5 is like Twilight. It made me think of Twilight. <laughs> I'm a Twilight. Yes. So, um, uh, you're but, and Nicole, I, I think I can answer the first part of that question, but I won't answer the second part. So the first part for you, he does not, but he does know she's stronger than him because okay. that look that he gives her in the conference room yep. and then when she knocks him back, uh, it's clear that she has more power than he does. He doesn't know how much power because, yeah. you know, we have the P scale and there's there's no real way to know what her P rating is now, at least for him. So he just knows that she's stronger, not how stronger, how much stronger he doesn't know. And she smirked we don't know. too. She smiled. Did you see I mean, that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we know, we know more about her than Bester does because we know through the conversation with Sheridan that she signaled the Zaha Dumis uh before they even entered the sector and we know that she was able to hold off a shadow being uh a few episodes ago so she is extremely strong okay um and then my other question would be um where the hell is garibaldi gonna go is he gonna stand b5 is he gonna leave what's he gonna do you know how he's Emily was saying how he's going to go searching for things. You know, in the beginning when Sinclair had that chick who was out looking for stuff in the rim, that's not what he's going to be doing. He's going to be doing probably like black ops type of stuff. I would assume is more so what he meant. Not like going and looking for treasures. Right. <laughs> Maybe I'm crazy, <laughs> but um, I will as... absolutely rem tell you and answer your question. Yes, you are crazy. Okay, great. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, and then prediction wise, um, I, oh, by the way, I really do think it was pretty awesome. Nobody talked about this. And I just kind of want to point out that when Ivanova saved those guys' asses, she made sure like, yeah, we're from Babylon 5. Oh, I thought you were the bad guys, you know? So the look on the dude's face was like, whoa, you know what I mean? So is that going to, uh, I guess this is a question, is are they going to spread the word that Babylon 5 saved them and people are going to, are they going to see like, oh, Babylon 5 isn't the enemy or is this going to make Clark double down 
on his like bullshit and fuckery. So, um, and then prediction wise, I have no fucking clue what's going to happen next. So I don't have any. My answer to that question is if you watch Fox news, no, if you watch anything else, yes, (laughs) you can send your hate mail to me up your ass. Okay. (laughs) Emily questions, predictions. Hey, well, I kind of already asked if I want to know what Buster knows about Lita that he can use to try to manipulate her. And I really want to know what his actual plan is for B5 other than to take it down. I want like details. Does he want it to go boom or is he thinking something different? Okay, where the fuck did they get the party decor? Because that's like party city shit. Like where did it come from? Because Earth has cut him off. And that looks pretty human unless, you know, party decor is standard throughout the galaxy. So I really want to know where the hell all the party decor came from. It's the same male guy we found that Garibaldi was getting his baklava from. party decor. Yeah, he's, he, he, he smuggles in the party city. I mean, okay, somebody's going to say in the comments, so I'm going to say it to you, Emily. They didn't shut off Babylon 5 until after the party. The, the... But it seemed like they were really... We had tourists three episodes ago. The scene from Batman 1989 where they're walking around down below with yeah, a space yeah, Karen. Yeah. So yeah, my mind rejected her. So I'm absolutely it, sure that yeah, the supplies are down and smuggling is up. But the embargo slash quarantine didn't happen until after that scene. Yeah, it just, it seemed weird considering how much they were trying to restrict stuff. And even the touristy lady, she, uh, but I still want to know where that ranks in priority of bringing stuff onto B5, because it feels like there's higher priority items, like, I don't know, food, medicine. Have you met the podcast morale officer, Emily? She's all about making people happy. You don't get balloons. Fuck you. <laughs> no balloons for you. Justin, um, record more, less balloons. <laughs> We're going to restrict your tinfoil. <laughs> Good luck. What the fuck is happening to Garibaldi? I'm worried about him because he gets message with little wavy lines and then like, okay, something he changes. So, yeah. And then really, why are Elvis personators still a thing in this century? <laughs> They're a race. They're, They're not impersonators. They're a race. The question I would have is why aren't? Elvis impersonators bigger. Can we just let some go after a few no! years? Hell no. That man is the king. I, I have a hot take on this actually with the Elvis impersonators. I want to hear this? it. Okay. So did you know that if you go to other countries, say Japan is the first example that comes to, if you go to Japan, they have a subculture of people who dress up in leather jackets and slick back their hair mm-hmm. like they're in the movie Grease and they're super into like rockabilly. I think it's the same thing. I think in Babylon 5 future, like the Drazi are super into Elvis Presley. Yes, because he, he wore so much purple and green. <laughs> oh my God. Or is it everything so shitty we need something fun and that's where it goes? No matter how far we go off into the galaxy, to quote Sinclair, we'll need Marilyn Monroe and we'll need Elvis. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> Mike, I thought your hot take was we should all watch 3,000 Miles to Graceland. No. <laughs> but what now that I mention it, it <laughs> <laughs> that is a good movie. I'm not going to lie. Huh. <laughs> the second time Kurt Russell played Elvis. Just throwing it out there. Okay, Justin, questions, predictions. All right, question number one. Do we get to actually see Disney Planet? 
So JMS made a joke. <laughs> he was. They were asked, Does "Really, do you think that Disney's going to have a plan?" He's like, "Absolutely. Sooner or later, they'll want to buy a planet, and actually, it'll be the second one because they already own Earth." And that was made in the '90s, <laughs> before Disney was like, before Marvel Disney owned everything. Wars, yeah. So actually, yeah, J- JMS called it. JMS called it. Just wait for Apple and Disney to merge, and then we'll have Waylon Yutani, and we'll have aliens. It'll be great. <laughs> okay, so question two. Um, so I guess Sheridan said it best. Who are the dark servants? What did they take? Where are they going? And what will they do when they get there? Um, is this is the is the dark servants some kind of clandestine takeover from emperor fabulous and then how will londo respond and then what happens when clark finds out that bester is kind of working against them then what kind of dirt does bester have on lita then if if black omega was bester's creation and bester's baby but as we saw in the episode, they're under direct command from Clark. Why was Black Omega taken away from Bester? Yeah, I think I could answer that one now and say it wasn't. That's why wasn't, he was informed okay. of that part of the plan. Remember, he knew part of the plan, but not all of the plan. And okay. the part he knew about was Black Omega. That's why he was able to tell them. And it's because he is in charge of Black Omega. So it wasn't taken away from him. He was told, hey, Bester, I want you to send Black Omega to do this. And then he's like, okay. And then he goes to Babylon Fives and tells him. Oh, okay. So okay. He 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 played both sides. Okay. Fair enough. But now there are other parts of the plan that Bester doesn't know because he right. doesn't need to know. But that one, yeah. And that's even what they said earlier in the at the beginning of the episode is that Clark only trusts the whole picture to his inner circle, and then everyone else just gets the pieces that they have to know. So um, so okay, prediction one. Um, Clark is just getting started. I really think we're gonna see a lot more propaganda. I think we're going to see some fault, a lot more false flag operations, and then even some maybe some terrorist activities on Babylon Five. And then prediction two: I think more elements of the military and even Mars will turn against Clark, finally giving a Sheridan a chance to strike. Got it? Thank you, Justin. We'll go ahead and end it there this week for the newbies. We're going to send them out the airlock, and then after our credits, we'll come back with Mike, Kevin, and I, and we will answer all these questions and predictions and beyond the rim. And next week, guys, we're going to be back here for what I'm going to, I'm just going to guess, is probably going to be Justin's one of Justin's favorite episodes. I'm just going to guess, and I'm not being sarcastic. I really think that's going to be the case. We'll see if I'm right. It is the illusion of truth is next week's episode. And then, brace yourselves, two weeks from tonight, we will have the first Babylon 5 movie, Third Space. So next week, The Illusion of Truth, followed by the week after with the B5 TV movie, Third Space. So looking forward to doing the first movie we've discussed. Well, I guess The Gathering kind of counts. So the second movie we've discussed with the newbies in two weeks. So until then, please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, leave us reviews, join us in the uh, on our socials in Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, join us there. Meme the shit out of that scene, please, please, please. And if you can, please join us over at Patreon. We really do appreciate that. And a very special thank you to our producers listed down below who are the members of our great council, the highest 
level of our Patreon donations each and every month. We greatly appreciate you, and we uh, love seeing you all in the Discord. So join our Patreon and jump over there as well. So until next week, when we talk about the illusion of truth, I've been Scott, and with me has been... Justin. Mike. Emily. Kevin. And Nicole. Justin, I almost lost my shit because your prediction was, I think we'll see more propaganda. Enjoy the next episode, buddy. Enjoy the next episode. I can't wait. <laughs> I want to throw things. He's going to have a tinfoil suit on. If you are, honestly, if you guys are seriously throwing shit at me right now, <laughs> like the fact that you said that this is going to be one of my favorite episodes, and then, like, honestly, like. Justin, how, he's not how can gaslighting. You... There, no, fucking... no, no. This is, this is, this is part it, two to the, to like the underground fighting ring story. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. TKO part two. But TKO no, part two. I have a feeling we're going to throw shit at me without throwing shit at me. I love it. Just assuming what our conversations tend to do. Um, next week's going to have a lot of comments in the YouTube section. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we're going to piss off some people. It's oh, gonna boy. Oh, uh, I'm not going to say Go another on. word. I just want you to hit play, buddy. Enjoy. <laughs> All right. Honestly, right now, I you know. cannot fucking wait now. Yeah, so. just, just watch it early this week. Thank you for listening to Gray 17, a Babylon 5 podcast. You can find all the places to listen to and watch this podcast at anchor.fm slash gray17podcast or youtube.com at gray17podcast. We want to hear from you, so join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or Patreon. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review where you are listening to or watching this podcast. Gray17 is not affiliated with, and the podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that? The truth. Welcome back to Beyond the Rim. Again, this is spoiler section, so if you have not watched past Epiphanies or you can't remember what happens after epiphanies this is not the section for you we'll see you next week but for all those who want to stick around we're going to dive into the newbies questions and predictions and guys the first couple questions deal with our good friend mr bester so what does bester know about lita's background it kind of sounded like there was something in her training that was uh somehow compromising but i mean he she said that she did a you know internship or whatever as a as a field assistant for the for the uh, psychops so it's clear they knew each other she mentions that so perhaps something happened during that but my guess is something happened in her training that's a little bit compromising but um i don't think it's going to get to the point where he says anything because she could absolutely end him and i think he kind of knows now i mean i there may be something in a book that i haven't read and if there is please let me know guys in the comments but the only thing on the wiki is after an incident while accompanying Alfred Bester, she's transferred to commercial work. So I think this is a throwaway line that doesn't get dealt with again. Now, that being said, she will blow up Psychor during the telepath war and blow herself up and Lanier up. So 
but that's later on. Next one, what happens if Clark finds out that Bester is working against him? I don't think Clark gives a shit about Bester. I mean, I think it's safe to say that if Clark finds out someone's against him, that someone is probably going to need to go seek different employment. <laughs> and, and maybe or, seek a different planet to live on. Maybe a bulletproof helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think Bester is very smart in that he is feared amongst Psycor, and everyone in Psycor knows who he is. But at the end of the day, he's just a cog in the wheel for people outside of Psycor. He, he isn't that. But to yeah. people outside of Psycor, he is. I mean, even we see that he has a master at Psycor that he answers to in this episode. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, and I, I, I just, I absolutely think Clark being a dictator, if anybody yeah. speaks against him or acts against him, is going to get axed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to get buried in a hole. So. I, just, I just don't think as Bester is dumb enough to elevate himself to be whack a mold. But I yeah, would think not. Yeah. What will Bester do with the knowledge he has of Lita? That being that she is OP. Put it in his back pocket and sit on it. Mm-hmm. It will come back. He will know more about it. He will, he'll come back and deal with a little bit of that later. But again, um, at this point, his big thing is navigating the Earth issue and also getting his Popsicle lady out of the Popsicle. What is Bester's plan for B5? Well, a lot of that revolves around Garibaldi. We mm-hmm. find out later that it was directly yes. Bester that has to do with what's going on with Garibaldi. And he he did it for a couple of different reasons. But, uh, I, go ahead. No, I was, when I asked the question of who is pulling Garibaldi's strings, I was curious to see if anyone was going to make a guess that it was Psychor or Bester. But everyone just assumes it's Clark. And Clark, as we learn, is a puppet of Psychor as much as anything else. He's being played as well, too. So, but yeah. Yeah, it's weird to think that uh, with the amount of brainwashing that we've talked about or dealt with in the series so far, it, it seems as though none of the newbies are attributing that to the group of people who can enter your brain and manipulate you. <laughs> I, just I did find that perplexing. Kind of shocks me, but... There was, uh, there was also a sad lack of Bureau 13 conversation in this episode. Too. Know, I thought about it. I was trying to think of a way to work it in, but... Well, I mean, it even listed off like every clairvoyant or, uh, you know, uh, dark organization like, oh, we had Nightwatch, we had the Ministry of Peace, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no Bureau 13, yeah, like, sorry. I, I, like, I feel like I can't be the one to say these things, because otherwise they're going <laughs> to, he's going to realize that I'm gaslighting him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he thought I was gaslighting him on Illusion of Truth, and I wasn't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, let's go on to, I mean, Ambester's ultimate plan for b5 is he just he wants it off the board or he wants to control it like everything else it's uh, earth doesn't matter b5 doesn't matter the only thing that matters for him is the telepaths and making sure that they have a path to you know safety and i don't know growth yeah i mean uh, really it's like there are other telepaths in the universe but bester doesn't have any realistic goal at this point of getting to any other telepaths that aren't human so yeah i mean b5 is irrelevant to him in the grand scheme of things it's interesting to me later that you know at the end of the the earth war civil war that the only thing that bester kind of talks about is just tell me one thing. Was my lover used as a bomb? Because if she was, you're a dead man. Otherwise, I don't care that much. 
And I don't think he's I don't think he's joking in that scene. I think he would have popped him like scanners right there. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Mr. Garibaldi. What is Mr. Garibaldi going to do with his new career choice? Emily thinks he's going to go out and like work for the shadows because why not? <laughs> I mean, he, he does do what seems like a very, you know, altruistic sort of type yeah. job, um, which, you know, Bester makes clear that, you know, some of the choices that he made are sort of kind of yeah. him. Well, I mean, Bester basically says he just gave him an issue with authority. That's all he did. He made him more, you know, untrusting. Everything else, go play. And he said, you know, he he didn't foresee him quitting, but mm-hmm. it actually ended up being kind of good because yeah. then it gave him an outsider's view. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he just becomes a private eye. He becomes a thorn in Sheridan's side because, again, he doesn't like authority. But yeah, he's just a, he's just a private eye. He just totally sticks a knife in his back later mm-hmm. on. Yep, yep. What is Garibaldi? Oh, what is happening with Mister Garibaldi? We already kind of discussed it. He is being <laughs> controlled by Mister Bester. He is an agent of Mister Bester to an extent. But again, a lot of it to what we were talking about earlier is Garibaldi's still in there. He's just being he's just kind of being poked and prodded just to kind of get on the right rail. And the really dark scene between Bester and him are on that train where he basically freezes Garibaldi and just tells him everything. And Garibaldi is just having to listen and take it because he can't do anything. And then he has a lot of trouble convincing people that he was under the influence. Mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, It's pretty dark. You're right. It is. It is. But again, as we've discussed and we'll discuss again, he's the one that gets the best ending out of all of this. Garibaldi comes out fairly clean after all this crap. <laughs> Emily, where do they find a party city? They had a replicator. Can we move on? Please. They can't get oranges, but they can get balloons and fireworks. <laughs> all right. Will the word get out that B5 is not the enemy? I think we learned that next episode because the entire media apparatus is being controlled by Clark. So internally, yeah, you'll probably have rumors spreading between uh, enlisted officers, some commanders in the military thinking, well, this isn't exactly kosher. And and we'll see that because some of the military will break away and join Sheridan during the war. But I mean, we find out a few episodes from now, people don't even know the Shadow War existed because the media didn't tell them about it. Yeah, much like the Centauri didn't really know what was going yeah. on outside of their own planet. Yeah, I mean, well, Marcus's line, I'm uh, a hero of the galaxy and no one even knows about it. So will they find out B5 is the not the enemy? No, because ISN's yeah. not going to let them find out. Yeah, the official narrative is not going to change. Yeah, But, you know, the, the post-Clark interim president or whatever she kind of even says at one point um yeah we kind of knew that clark was an evil son of a bitch but we didn't really know how to Mm -hmm. fight against it so it it seems pretty clear that there's going to be people who don't believe that babylon 5 is uh is the bad guys but there's not a whole lot they can do about it Mm -hmm. well and this is jms's point in both b5 but also in some of his other writings it is extremely easy to move from democracy to dictatorship. Very, very easy. And you usually don't even notice it until it's too late. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, next episode. Do we get to see Disney Planet? I want to know what kind of castle they have. No, this isn't Star Trek. If you're a Disney fan, you know what I mean by that. Which castle do they get at Disney Planet? Which one? Can we go to Risa? <laughs> Can we get a, what, what's that called? That statue? Horgon. Okay, Horgon, yes. 
<laughs> just walk around with one of those damn things. I am prepared. Uh, are we? Oh no! Who are the servants of the shadows? Where are they going? And what did they take? The Drak. The Drak are one of them. Yep, absolutely. They're like the big dogs. And there's a couple things they took. I mean, we can assume they took the the planet killer weapon that's used in Crusade. They obviously uh, have keepers. I don't know if they created those or if the shadows did, but they they have those now. I and, seem yeah, I seem to recall reading somewhere that the keepers are like a subsect of their race or something. So that's actually a Drock thing. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. That it's, yeah. that it's a Drock thing. You're right because they actually get told that if the Drock dies that the keeper is attached to and the keeper yeah, dies because they're like psychically connected. That's yes. the whole point of how they work. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, I mean, they took a whole bunch of weapons and it's not just the Drock. There are other ones out there. Like we saw like the 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 uh, Proby aliens. Those are servants of the shadows as well, too, and all of that. But I think what can well, the direct connection that we see in this series and this franchise is uh, it was the Drock. They will be going to Centauri Prime and in Crusade, they will go to Earth. So and seek their revenge. Did the servants give the keeper to the regent? Yes. And how is Londo going to deal with that? He's not. He's not. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, and I, I kind of alluded to it in this episode, we're seeing peak Londo here. He's happy. He's done everything right. But sooner or later, he's going to be told, if you want to protect your people, you got to put this on. And uh, I've, I've talked about it many times, and when we finally get to it, I'll talk about it even more. But that scene between him and Jakar on Centauri Prime, where Londo knows as soon as he leaves that room, he's getting his keeper is just, it's heartbreaking. Um, and uh, it's done so well. But yeah, no, how, how is Londo going to deal with it? He's going to fall in line and he's going to do what they say until he gets drunk. Regent will suspiciously die and mm -hmm. he will be elevated to emperor and he'll have to put a keeper on it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So is Londo at times, so can't feel too too bad for him. Yeah, I mean his punishment fits his crimes, but we don't yeah. like to see it. And this is probably the happiest that he's going to mm -hmm. be. This is this is this is if the story ends right now, Londo is the hero of the story. And Unfortunately, now comes the find out part. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, Londo's story does not end right now. Okay, let's move into predictions. Clark is just getting started. We will see more propaganda, false flags, and terrorist actions on B five. Yes, 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 yes. The propaganda yes. is coming very quickly. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, this is this is absolutely right. I mean, Clark is uh, in the regime. And again, I would add Psychor to that as well, too. They're continuing to move their pieces and trying to hold on to power. I will say at this point, I think it's already kind of clear that Clark's power is not as strong as it was. Where, you know, they even say here he's starting to get freaked out because now his shadow buddies are gone. But um as we get closer and closer, what's what's that line from Star Wars, Kevin? As you grip your uh, hands tighter around planet, uh, more planets will slip through your fingers or whatever the hell it is. Yes, that's so. pretty much the line. Yeah, kind of. I, I really did the justice there. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Mars will turn against Earth, giving Sheridan the chance to strike. Mars... It doesn't happen exactly that way. No, it actually happens during it. So Sheridan yeah. will start his push with the Mars Rebellion knowing about the push coming, and then they will basically shut down Mars while the fleet's coming to Earth. Yeah. So it's not like Mars and then firefight. It is firefight and Mars at the same time. I was yeah, going to say, I mean, Mars was basically decimated at this point, and they didn't yeah. have any grand military force to help Sheridan do anything. So yeah, that's... They... 
they yeah. take Proxima and the surprise, pretty much surprise attack. They never talk about Orion Seven ever yeah. that I can remember. And then they push on to Mars, and then they grab Earth. And mm-hmm. yep, and that's going to be once we get past uh, the midpoint of the season, there will be several episodes where Sheridan starts laying the groundwork on Mars with Marcus and uh, Franklin. The buddy cop movie. It's gonna be great. And Franklin gets uh, gets boffed. He gets number one by number one. <laughs> nice. Okay, we'll go ahead and end it there with Epiphanies. We'll be back next week with the Illusion of Truth. And again, uh, in two weeks' time, you're gonna have to dig out those DVDs of the movies or find them on streaming because we're gonna be talking about the TNT TV movie Third Space. I have thoughts. And I look forward to having them with everybody else. So until then, please, again, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and uh, be sure to join us on all our social medias. And if you can, go over to Patreon, join us there, and please, please, please leave a review. And as I said, even if Kevin disagrees with me, if I can get 50 more subscribers on YouTube, uh, I'll let uh, Nicole stick us on the couch. It'll be great. It'll be great. Okay. Uh, Until next week, I've been Scott, and with me has been... Mike and Kevin and uh, enjoy watching Fox News. You can see your comments down below. I I will. Look, I'm getting the hell out of here before anybody else walks through there. With my luck, it'll be the second coming. And I'm still three commandments behind on penance. I'm thinking. Pestos.